Welcome to the JMAC Tries Podcast. It's J-Mac, and this is the J-Mac Tries Podcast. You're joining me for another weekly conversation of motivation and positivity with badass triathletes. And I brought you another one this week. It is the founder, the CEO of a great company called Skirt Sports. She is also the 2004 Ironman Wisconsin champion. She is Nicole Daboom. Yes, that Nicole Daboom. So excited to have her on my show. I spoke with her a couple years ago and we hit it off. And I just think she's just such an easy person to talk to. Um, so amazing, so normal. Yet she had a kick ass career as a triathlete. Um, she married some other kick-ass triathlete that um, <laughs> she said in any given household she'd be the star. But when you marry the two-time back-to-back last American to win Kona, uh, yes, Tim DeBoom, then you play second fiddle to him. But she is uh, pretty amazing in her own right. Uh, after winning Ironman Wisconsin in '04, she had the epiphany to start her company called Skirt Sports, and she has not stopped ever since. So in this episode, we talk about the Skirt Sports story, which is pretty cool. We talk about what it takes to be a mom and a business owner in this day and age, about balance, about integration, about ego, um, about we go back and tell ourselves 20 years ago about everything we learned as a 40-something-year-old, and um, we just had a lot of fun chatting. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I do. Uh, oh, she also has a podcast. That's right. Everybody has a podcast now, but hers is a little older than mine. It's called Run This World. She's at episode 85. She has amazing guests, motivational and positive conversations um, with some amazing people all over the world. So um, you'll seem to follow her on Instagram, at Nicole DeBoom at Skirt Sports. She truly just puts herself out there, unfiltered. Um, just she is who she is, and she's proud of it. And she's a great role model for her daughter. Uh, two housekeeping items. Number one, small audio glitch halfway through this conversation. So don't give up on it. It gets better, but I just don't want you to give up on the conversation. It was just a little glitch. Couldn't figure it out, but we got through it. So it's all good. And number two, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for the listens, the comments, the shares, the five stars, the downloads. Um, every time I drop a new one, I not only get more downloads with the newest one, but people are going back and listening to older episodes, and those are getting more play. So thank you guys so much. This is far exceeding every expectation I had with it, and I'm having a great time doing it. So 
I hope you're having a great time listening to it as well. The new format is this is coming out once a week on a Tuesday. Just so you know when it is, it will be there every Tuesday morning, I promise you. And you have something to look forward to. So that's all I have for you right now. Without further ado, Nicole Daboom. Hello, Nicole. Hey there. How are you doing? It's been a while. It's been a long time, at least a minute. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing out? You're in Colorado? Yes, I'm in lovely Boulder, the happiest city in America, which we kind of want to brag about, and then we kind of don't want anybody to know about. (laughs) Exactly. It's awesome here, but you don't want to live here because we don't want anybody else here. Exactly. Although we do happen to be the training triathlon training mecca of the world. So uh, in your world, this is where everybody wants to be. That's right. But I am here in your old stomping grounds. Oh, that's true. I know New Haven. You know, um, so I went to college at Yale, as as you know, and uh, I have only been back twice. (laughs) But both times. The the highlight was the food at Claire's Cornucopia restaurant, which I love and loved in college and still love today. Well, I think it was funny. We we're chatting and I didn't realize that they've, they've been there for that long. Um, I know they've been there for a while. I've worked in New Haven for 20 years. What are you saying? And yeah, no, 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 no. It's all good. I think you and I are right around the same age. Anyways. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. The cool thing about New Haven the differentiator is the the food and the restaurants and the different types that are down there. I know. It's so cool. But although, you know, when you're in college, you're just waiting outside the pizza places, <laughs> burning, waiting for them to, you know, hand out the leftovers for free. Exactly. You couldn't afford Claire's back then. <laughs> oh, it's so true. You know, I still I still eat like an athlete. That's for sure. Well, it's not like you're not training. Well, you know, it's funny because I love that word training um, because mm-hmm. I really don't train anymore. Now I work out. But uh, uh, but last year I did do a stint of training because I did my first triathlon in about a decade last year. I did the Boulder Peak Olympic distance and it was freaking hard. <laughs> and I, I was and, and this is only an Olympic distance for all you Ironman listeners out there. And mm-hmm. And you know, my, my past life included uh, quite a few endurance events, <laughs> including Ironmans. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, I've got, a, I've got a different, you know, I live a different life now. So I wanted to kind of bring myself back to something that gave me that focus and direction again, athletically, and just see what it was like. And it was, I kind of woke up again and said, how did I do this for so many years on <laughs> such a hard level? crazy well and now throw in um marriage daughter business podcast and everything else oh yeah i mean you know it's fun because when i was a pro you know after i i did have another job for a while like a lot of pros when they start out you kind of have to because it's not like there's a lot of money in triathlon no especially our sport yeah (laughs) But, uh, but, you know, eventually I quit my other jobs and I raced full time. And I always wondered how normal people is how I called them. Normal, regular people did it. And um, I now realize that, you know, they did it through a lot of sacrifice. And, um, 
you know, you've got to have a lot of support if you're going to pursue a lifestyle that includes training for events that just that can take up to, you know, 15, 20 hours a week. My training last summer, I was doing like five to 10 hours a week and it was a lot. Yeah, it is insane. And, you know, people always use the word balance. I use I like to use the word integration because you're never going to try and balance everything. Otherwise, you know, you're something's going to give. But if you figure out a way to integrate it into your life, it tends to work a little better, a little easier. Yeah, you know, I like that approach. I hadn't thought about that word integration. Um, I always think about it as uh, juggling and shifting priorities because I hate that balance word too, because it doesn't seem possible. No, and you what, what you end up doing is you give you focus so much on the wrong things and you can't give everything 100% attention versus, you know, give 100% attention to your family and then then walk away and give 100% attention to your training for an hour and then go back to family or, you know, so you can't, uh, you can't balance everything at once. You will drop stuff. Oh, for sure. And, and I also even think like that 100% is sort of a myth. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you try to do things and be present in the moment. And it's kind of impossible. Like, let's just be real here, you know? Yeah, I want to be 100% present every time I'm around my daughter. But sometimes I get a text and I can't help yeah. but look at it and drift over to my computer. Or, you know, I mean, this is just life. So part of it is like being realistic and also not being so hard on ourselves. Well, and that was one of the reasons why I've always loved, you know, a couple of years ago when we first spoke and then, and then now, I mean, everything about you, you're just real. <laughs> and, and I said it in a positive and enlightening way is, yeah, you, you don't hide behind something that's false. You, you know, you have a family, you have a business, but you're being realistic about it all. And I, and I truly appreciate that. Well, I, thank you. Um, it's definitely, <laughs> I would say real is a really, it's a great word because there's no, um, you know, the opposite of real is fake. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, a while back, like with my business, I remember this is a kind of a fun example. I don't know where our conversation is going to go today, but you know, I, I have and own a company called skirt sports and we make women's active wear. And I'll have to share the story of how I started that too. But you know, a while back, that's an awesome story. So oh, yes, gosh. <laughs> a while back, I was saying to somebody like, "Well, should we really put photos of all our employees on our website because then we might look small, like our company might not look big." Mm-hmm. And the person I was talking to was like, "Well, are you trying to be something you're not? All you can be is who you are." And I was talking in terms of the business at that point. And I realized like, yeah, you're right. Like we are what we are. We might have eight employees. Like that's, we can't pretend we have more. And so why wouldn't we are and accept that and, and showcase that. But even deeper than that is, you know, talking about that concept as people and, you know, the Mm -hmm. social media effect in the world makes it so that a lot of times we don't showcase all of who we are we only showcase the things we want people to see and i think you know there's a fine line there but uh it's a really interesting phenomenon 
So that's, that's a whole nother discussion. We can go down that rabbit hole or not. The point is be who you are. There is no sense or use in wasting energy trying to be someone you're not. Yeah. It's just, it's too tiring. (laughs) It's so much easier just to be yourself because it's, it's just more natural that way. Absolutely. And I know you get that. I've seen your social media. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love, you know, I love, that's why I love Instagram stories. Um, you know, I'll, I'll use the, the feed side of it and, um, especially for my podcast, but the stories part, uh, I think is the best part for me because I'm one of those people I have to get up at four thirty to get my training in and I post that and I'm proud of it and I look like crap and, you know, it doesn't look like how I look a couple hours later when I go to work, but it's who I am and it's what I do. And I get so much more feedback on that and the positive side than if I was putting up stuff that wasn't me. Oh, absolutely. As soon as you can learn to like be okay with things that are less than perfectly flattering, you realize that there's so much more support for you. People are like, Oh, now I can finally relate to that dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? it, and isn't it a shame it takes us till we're in our forties to figure that out? <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that the other day. Like you, somebody once told me, Oh, you're going to love your forties. There's, you're just like comfortable in your own skin. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Whatever you're old, you know, you're <laughs> <laughs> old skin. Totally. I'm like, I'm 46. I'm feeling strong. I accept who I am. The insecurities are gone. It's, I, and I don't know if you can make that happen when you're 20 or if you have to go through all the bullshit to get to this place of feeling great with who you are. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think unfortunately or fortunately, we have to go through those 20 years of you know, being people that we are not um, taking on roles that we don't want to be in, whether it be for work or otherwise, um, sometimes relationship wise. Yeah. Um, But I think the coolest thing is once we hit 40 and again, I have this conversation. So here you go. I had my my last guest was uh, Rocky Harris, who's the new CEO of USA Triathlon. Yeah. So he's 40. He's 41. And we are as 40 ish year olds, we are the next group of people taking over the world in a positive way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like the, it. The, right. We've had the 20 years of doing stuff and messing up and making mistakes and, and not being comfortable. Now here we are and just putting ourselves out there. Um, <gasps> Do you know what it is? Oh my gosh. I think I realized this recently and that's, It's that our egos have finally cracked. Like, we don't have egos anymore. I don't know what happened, but like 20s and 30s, I was all, I got this going on. You know, I can, I don't need any, you know, I don't know what it is. Like big head inflation, just like lots of, um, just ego, driving forward with ego. But when your ego gets hit down enough times and you, oh, I was being a complete idiot. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when you finally can be like, okay, I've got some perspective here. So maybe in our forties, we stop leading with ego. What do you think? I like that. And then we could change the word from ego to confidence. 
Yes, I like that too. And then we can integrate <laughs> all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so let's let's go back to to this. So the skirt sports story. I, I want that. I, if we never talk talk, talk about that, I'm going to be pissed. So let's all go right, back let's to that story. Let's... Okay. So you you tell me where to start. I have all my notes, but you you you've told the story a thousand times. So you just go. Well, maybe we should let's t- let's talk about like uh, one cool thing that triathlon and sports brings to us. And I'm coming at it from a, a young woman athlete who grew up doing sports. Right. Not everybody does, but I think there's more opportunity now for people. Yep. Um, so I understood the power of, you know, some of the things that sports brings you and definitely was consumed with the sport of swimming. Growing up in the Chicago area and then all the way through Yale. So when I graduated college in 1994, I was a professional swimmer or just swim in the Olympics, but that drive to push my body continued to be like a motivating force for me, um, which was sort of to the parents who paid for my college education. Right, especially <laughs> <they're> like, <laughs> So you're waiting tables and trying to figure it out. Okay. Well, um, but they were super supportive. And what I ended up coming to along my journey was that in order for my mind to stay strong and positive, I knew that I needed to keep my body fit and strong. Mm-hmm. When I, when I was out of shape and, you know, didn't feel so great, was drinking too much beer, eating too much pizza or whatever, my, I would go to the negative darker places. Right. Mm -hmm. But when I, when my body was fit and strong, my mind was fit and strong. And so I knew to include health and fitness in my life in like a, a pretty serious way, you know, generally like a goal directional way. Right. So I got into the sport of triathlon right after college because I had all to the finish mm-hmm. line during my formative years, like in the eighties. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and most people watch that and they're like, Oh my God, that looks horrible. But to my twisted mind of like a competitive athlete, I was like, Oh my God, that is so awesome. <laughs> you know, to watch someone push to the limit. She can't even walk. She pooped her right. pants. Like exactly. what's happening. I want to do that. <laughs> yes, get me in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I got on and, um, I immediately went to San Diego, then the hub for track. Right. Mark Allen and me and Greg Welch and this whole crew trained down there. And I was living for like less than six months when I boarded an air. Yeah, 1995 uh, ITU World Champs. So I was in the 24 age group. I was. Um, 12th place, the last physician they accepted in the USA. Okay. So I got into our national team. And when I sat down on that airplane, all these beautiful, amazing fit athletes were boarding the plane. I think it was sort of like Cancun, where the race was. How cool. <laughs> For 20 like still partying, crazy kid. Um, and I all these beautiful folks board and I thought I am so in the right sport. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a lot of appreciation. But then I saw this 
was a cute guy, and I just looked at him and sit next to me. I I I did something I called willing it to happen, which I mm-hmm. but I was like, he will sit next to me. He will sit next to me, and I I just watched him walk down the plane, and he got to my row, and he looked you know both ways, and he looked at his ticket, and he sat right next to me. And in the end, it turns out that that guy is named Tim DeBoom. Crazy. And, uh, I married that guy a year later. So, you know, if you go all the way back in time, one of the really incredible things that sport does for us if we're open is to bring us relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really lucky because Tim and I just have had quite a ride. We've been married 21 years and congratulations oh my gosh thank you that's a a miracle and (laughs) partly because for every up there's like an equal and difficult down and we've had a lot of those um for those of you listening who follow triathlon tim's name might ring a bell because (laughs) because he's won hawaii and he's back to back back to back and he's still the last american to win hawaii which is crazy that is crazy. Yep. Back in 2001 and 2002, I'm staring at his uh, finisher awards right now and his Hall of Fame trophy. And Wow. That he carried down the chute is sitting oh. right in front of me. And, um, you know, I followed in his footsteps and became a professional triathlete, too. And it's funny because I kind of like to think, well, in, in a normal household, I would have been the superstar. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But in our household, I was sort of like the slacker. I mean, you didn't I, win Kona back to back. What's wrong with you? Exactly. Mom? I only won one Ironman. But, right. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, triathlon has been a big part of my, I would say like my formative adult years were spent chasing perfection through sport. And we know that there is no such thing as perfection through sport because you can always do better. That's Mm -hmm. the, that's the beautiful and grueling thing about what we do to our bodies. Isn't it? Um, So, but speaking of perfection um, now we'll get around to skirt sports. So, Along the way, uh, I, you know, I was always open to what the next thing might be for me because while I was a great triathlete and I was always in the prize money and, you know, I was a contender in every race I ever did, I could do short distance, Ironmans, whatever. Um, I, I saw what it took to win Hawaii and the level of sacrifice that, I mean, quite honestly, almost blew up our marriage a couple times. Like it's, it it required a lot of Tim and I knew that that wasn't, that was probably something I had to give, but I, it wasn't going to be in triathlon that I gave that of myself. So I was sort of just always open. Like, what is that thing that will hmm. suck me in and, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> require me to give and sacrifice and consume my mind. And, and so one day I was, going for a wintertime off-season training run in, it was December of 2003. And we were living just outside of Boulder in a little town called Lyons. And as I ran down the main street there, there's a big soda fountain. That's what they called it, the soda fountain. And it had those big picture windows. Yep. And I literally ran by it and looked at my reflection. And part of that's ego because we're always checking ourselves out in mirrors when we run by, aren't we? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes. 
<laughs> there were no cameras to take selfies no. back then. So. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, how do I look today? And I literally <laughs> looked over and I was like, oh my God, I look like a boy. Um, my head is like squished into a little beanie. I'm in all black, no color. I'm in clothing that didn't fit my body. And I thought, I'm just so uninspired. First of all, it's off season. I don't feel great. Now I looked at myself and I was like, I don't look good. I don't look like myself. The hell is going on? And this word came to my mind and it, it like, it wouldn't leave. It was just pretty. Why can't I feel pretty out here? What's wrong with that? And so I, uh, I just, that word just propelled me. And it was like five minutes later, I was like, I, I think I can do something about this. Why can't I even just something as small as like wearing something that fits my body that looks cute? Would that give me more inspiration to get out the door? And I just, I flipped that run around and I ran home and just started brainstorming what this possibly could be. And I have the original brainstorm piece of paper and it says, I want to create women's active wear that you look and feel good wearing because no one had done that. They'd only done look good or feel or, or perform well. They hadn't done both. And that was it. And to your point, if if you look good, you, you feel good. Right. And, and then you build that confidence and you're ultimately able to perform better. Absolutely. It's about confidence. That is the number one most important word that if I want to, you know, instill something in my child, mm-hmm. which I do want to instill this <laughs> confidence, <laughs> yes. confidence, we want them to feel good in their own skin and strong enough to like make decisions and find happiness. Right. And especially for, we both have daughters. So especially for young women and, and especially in this day and age, right. This is when we need to do it for them. Yes. And my girl's six. Your girl, she's a, she's a tween. That's right. <laughs> and these are important years. I know. But, um, but I was far off from having a child at that time. I was doing it for me. And at the yeah, end okay. of the day, I often laugh because I'm like, all I really wanted was to look cute and cover my butt when I was running. <laughs> it happened. Like, right? I changed the world in some small way. You know, every decision we make changes the world in some, some way, big, some big, some small, right? It's crazy. And, and I laugh because when I was prepping for this conversation, uh, I, I, you just posted on Instagram your picture of you winning Wisconsin with your prototype skirt sport. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's so cool. Every once in a while, I, I, I went back through the archives. I was looking for something different and I saw that photo and I was like, I don't even have that photo. Where's that? Who took that photo? I want that photo. And, um, and I was like, wow, it was truly a loincloth. Okay, so let me That's back right. up you, on that. You did call it a line call, yes. <laughs> it was. So, you know, after I had this idea, you know, the first thing that happens when you have an idea is that you get scared and insecure because the minute you say it out loud and someone else hears you, it's real. Right. And, and like, what if it's dumb, right? What if no one's going to like it? So it takes some courage to come out with it and, I remember saying to Tim, I'm, I'm getting obsessed with this idea I just had. I think I want to start a clothing company. And he was like, okay, so how are you going to do that? <laughs> like, right. that's kind of a big thing. And, um, and I just kind of looked at him and go, well, you're wearing clothing and I'm wearing clothing. And I've seen a lot of other people wearing clothing. So <laughs> people have figured out how to start clothing companies. So I'm just going to figure it out. 
That's awesome. So yeah, it's it's kind of like an aid station approach to business. You just one mile at a time and you know the finish line's out there, but you got to like stop every once in a while and refuel and make sure you didn't go off course. And so I spent about nine months working on how to start a clothing company, learning fabrics and figuring out factories and manufacturing and trading. Um, you know, marketing, how, how would I go to market? And in the meantime, I was making a prototype. I had a local seamstress make a prototype. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is kind of funny. It was Barry Siff. Do you know Barry Siff? I know that. Why do I know that name? Um, he was the president of USAT or maybe he is. Yes. Right yeah. Um, he was. Yes, that's right. Yes. He, he was the one that just left and, and Rocky. Yeah, took over yeah, yeah. Place. So right. it was his wife because she's an incredible no. um, creative person. She has sewing skills. So she created my prototype, that red skirt. Love it. I know. So um, so I wore this little prototype in the in 2004 because you don't quit your day job till you know your next thing's going to hit. <laughs> and uh I won that freaking race. You freaking skirt. Won. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it was amazing. And, and what was really amazing was like the support of the people on the course. And it was a two loop run in the very first loop I'm running by. I'm one of the leaders. So there's like a bike in front of me and they know leaders are coming. People mm-hmm. get excited when they're like, yep. <laughs> there's a little sex appeal out there. right? Sure. Totally. And, uh, and it's all the drunk college kids. Cause it's football. weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's in um, September, right? Yeah, it was like super rowdy, but they were like, oh my gosh, here comes a third woman. And I would hear them as I ran by being like, what was she wearing? Was she wearing a skirt? And I just kept hearing this word skirt like throughout the first loop. And by the second loop, I was winning and they were like, oh my gosh, here here comes the leader. Who's it going to be? And I would run up and I could hear them just be like, oh my God, it's the skirt. Go skirt. And it was like, this identity change happened on the plant field. Isn't that cool? It's That's shit. awesome. Yeah. So, so you knew right there that if you didn't start this company, then you were just going totally against what the, the world, the universe was sending you. You know, I was open to doors closing if they were going to close. Like right. I was open to it, but they opened. They just kept opening. Like yep. there were just signs everywhere that I should keep going. So I did. Now, granted, 13 years later, there's been a lot of signs that were like, maybe you should stop now. <laughs> but I exactly. mean, that's just like, that's perseverance. That's whether you want to keep a legacy alive. And I do. So I keep going. And and those are the waves of business and life and any kind of marriage or relationship you have, you have those ups and downs. So it's different now. But back then, whew, it was amazing. And I think, you know, we could throw another word. This is like the word podcast. <laughs> um, you adapted, right? So yeah. you, your company's grown and it's not just skirts anymore. Right. Oh, that's so true. So we, I brought the very first running skirt to market. Like this had not been done. You saw it in tennis and I got a lot of right. inspiration from those incredible women athletes, but Um, but yeah, we brought this thing to market and people were like, what the hell is that? Like, I don't know what it is, but I got to have me some of that because there's some serious Mm -hmm. energy and confidence. And so, yeah, we started with skirts and then we just listened. So we still do that. We're one of the only brands that lets our customers lead our product direction, which is really cool through surveys and different projects. But, um, 
Yeah, we uh, we make everything for active women from head to toe, except for some of the more technical pieces. So mm-hmm. we're I would consider us to be like an active wear brand that specializes in running and fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and the cool thing about what we do is this was is my approach, but it has been for probably a decade. Just a couple years in, I learned really quickly. We're for all women all sizes, all ages, all shapes. We don't say like, oh yeah, 20 and 30 year old women wear, no, we sell stuff to 20 year olds and 80 year olds. Um, And uh, up to a double extra large, which is like a size 22, which is pretty Mm -hmm. amazing. And now more companies are, and I applaud that, but we have been doing it for a long time. So there's a wide range of women who love our product. And I'll tell you that one of the ways that we've adapted and stayed in business is that we also realized pretty early on that it really wasn't about the product. It was about how the product made you feel. Mm -hmm. And so we often refer to ourselves as it's kind of maybe there's ego in this, but I feel like we're more of like a spiritual movement that connects women. And the product is along for the ride. Like they wear our products and, you know, some wear more than others and some wear it 24 seven and some just wear our stuff once a week. But like, it's about finding women with shared interests that is non-judgmental, not intimidating and a hundred percent accepting. And once you like find your tribe, you're in. And that's what we, that's what we have at Skirt Sports now. It's almost more of, I was going to use the word tribe, but it's, it's an experience. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's not so much the actual clothing. Well, totally. And like, think about, I came from the sport of triathlon. I can't think of another sport that's more about lifestyle than triathlon. Yeah. I mean, that's just by nature of, you know, it's why I stopped playing golf 12 years ago and took up triathlon because, you know, it, take up triathlon it becomes part of your life right so it's it's integrated into your life it's not outside of your life and you bring in people around it and i think the coolest thing about our sport is we're all connected whether you're the person coming in first or the person coming in last Mm -hmm. you're still doing the same amount of work to get there yep absolutely i mean And, and and there's that respect that goes into it as well you're right celebrating the same thing in which is crossing the finish of like I did it even if you sucked that day you still need to celebrate (laughs) that that actually comes with age and experience no beating yourself up like get something out of the suck too there's always something good to be had I'll tell you this is actually a little bit pretty cool and timely with the podcast today because I'm a big positivity advocate myself and Mm -hmm. I actually started this video series this year called Fueled by Positivity. And I did a talk, like a TED style talk called Fueled by Positivity. And I truly believe that some of the little things we do can make a huge impact. And when you make an impact on yourself, it makes an impact on others. And so this morning on Fridays, I do this thing with my daughter. I call it Girl Friday Mm -hmm. and it's breakfast with my girl. And um, I, I started it because I had this like, dream that when she's 16 she's still going to want to sit with me on Friday mornings <laughs> like she'll probably actually be drinking coffee by then but you know having this like special time of course it involved food not working sure. out which is funny but um so we we went over to friends 
Friday, two little girls and, and their mom's my friend. And I went in their bathroom and they have this quote on the girl's bathroom mirror. And it said, um, it was really cool because I think Mm -hmm. it was a little advanced for little girls, but it really Mm -hmm. struck me. It said, the first thing you should do when you see a problem is look for the positive part of it. Hmm. Isn't that cool? I like it. It goes back to our original conversation about why I started my podcast. You started your podcast. It's all about trying to find the positivity in, in, in everything. Well, yeah. And think about in a race, like yep. you hit those low points, like there's got to be something positive there. You're not going to get out of that low point. So you've got to flip it. You've got to turn it. You have to find a way out of the negative and back into the positive. Yeah. And it goes back to, you know, you and your original idea with skirt sports. If you can't mentally be positive, then, you know, it's only going to carry over into the physical side of it as well. So yeah. we got to create, make our minds be positive, even if there's nothing physically there that looks positive. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Hey, so Nicole, we are running out of my time that I promised you because I know you have other stuff going on, <laughs> but, but I wanted to, I don't want to stop this. I want to continue it in the future, but I've been kind of leaving my podcast and asking one direct question to all my guests. I think it's a pretty cool question. And it's, if you could go back to your very first day of training, so triathlon training and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? That's such an awesome question. Mine, go, mine predates triathlon all the way back to swimming, but I can't remember that far back because I started <laughs> when I was six. What, right. I can't, what I can remember about triathlon is that you often feel like this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And then you finish it and it may feel like it's still the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. What I would do is remind myself that it will always feel better after it's over. I like it. <laughs> so you, I like- know, you talk to a lot of people. I actually asked a question recently of my community and I said, what do you love about running? And the common answer was the afterward. Right. So it's, it's reminding yourself, yeah, this is hard and this is painful. And I don't know if I want to keep doing this, but to remember that it will feel better. It will feel better each time you do it. And it's going to feel even, it's going to, it's awesome. That's that awesome feeling of crossing the finish line and looking back on what you've accomplished. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Reflect and celebrate and then do it again. And then do it again. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So listen, Nicole DeBoom, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on my pod. I truly appreciate it. Oh, Jason, this is so great. I love what you're doing in the world. Let's keep it up. Yes. So everybody could find you on Instagram at Nicole DeBoom, follow Skirt Sports at Skirt Sports, and then follow your podcast, which is Run This World. And episode 85 is coming out shortly. So kudos to you for continuing to kick ass on that as well. Oh, man, I love this world of podcasts. I mean, hey, anytime we can grab inspiration anywhere we can, let's do it. Let's keep it up. And you keep up doing the good work yourself. Thanks, Nicole. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. All right. So that was the legendary Nicole DeBoom. 
CEO, founder of Skirt Sports. Uh, she's awesome. Just had such a great conversation with her. Um, it's like we've known each other forever. She's just so easy to talk to. She gets it. Um, pretty cool talking to her. Badass triathlete, Ironman Wisconsin winner, and uh, normal mom. So um, great conversation with Nicole. If you're not following her on Instagram, she's at Nicole DeBoom. Her company's at Skirt Sports. They're doing some really cool stuff over there with not only clothing, but just the entire lifestyle um, of positivity. And um, also check out her podcast called Run This World. She's uh, past episode 85, amazing guests, and just having a good time doing it. So as always, to all you guys, my listeners, thank you so much for listening, for sharing, for downloading. For the five stars, for the comments, the good and the bad. And I hope that this uh, show is everything you want it to be because so far it's exceeding my expectations. So thank you again. Humbled by the listens. Uh, you know where to find me. JMac underscore tries. That's all I have for you this week. Stay tuned next Tuesday.